Welcome to the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast. I'm your host, Mary Jolkowski. I'm an author, speaker, and all-around self-love advocate. And this is the podcast that'll inspire you to love yourself. Hello, my self-lovers. How are we feeling? Because I feel like shit. Yeah! (laughs) In case you don't know, that was a Bo Burnham, Burnham? I think Bo Burnham reference from his Netflix special about just all the shit we've been through in the pandemic and his soundtrack, because it's filled with all these really funny songs. His soundtrack is on Spotify and one of the songs is called I Feel Like Shit. And it goes, I feel like shit. Yeah. (laughs) Like a sack of shit. Yeah. So anyways, that song never fails to make me feel better, ironically enough. And I highly recommend watching that special or at the very least listening to the soundtrack because him, Bo Burnham as an artist is just absolutely incredible. And the way that he makes you feel so seen and heard and not alone with the representation that he created of what we all went through during the pandemic and what our mental health was like, it was just very validating to watch. So I know this is old news because I think it came out like a year ago and everybody was talking about it, but now not that many people are talking about it. So I'm telling you about it in case you haven't seen it. Anyways, I did not mean to start that way, but I think we've all been feeling a lot. We've been hit with some really heavy news. At the time of this recording, it's been five days since Roe v. Wade was overturned by the Supreme Court of the United States. And this especially affects the people in the conservative states in America. It is also affecting all the states because now every state is at risk besides maybe some of the very, very blue ones. And if you live there, then it doesn't mean that you're not worried for the whole country. And if you don't live in the U.S. at all, it's still shocking that a Western nation like the United States that seems to pride itself on life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness and all these human rights and laws that are supposed to hopefully forward us as a society, as a humanity, has taken this giant step back. And it feels like a big fuck you. And luckily, I've seen some countries actually go the exact opposite route because I was reading some opinions that the United States is often a leader in certain decisions. And people were worried that other countries would kind of think about overturning their abortion laws or restricting them somehow, some way. And I've actually seen from what I've read, at least the news sources I follow, have highlighted certain countries that have actually created more abortion access and was like, uh, we're not going to be like the U.S. We are a civilized nation and we care about our people. So that's been really good to see. But regardless of where you're located or how this news is affecting you personally, I'm just sending everybody so much love, especially people with active uteruses, women, 
non-binary people whose reproductive care has always been on the line, trans people, the whole LGBTQ community who has also seen some really fucked up comments from different Supreme Court justices about other laws that are at risk. And just this whole thing is highlighting how something as big as abortion access and anything really to do with gender equality is one of the telltale signs of a backsliding democracy. And it does become, or it creates the opportunity for what's called a slippery slope. And that slippery slope is exactly what I just described, like other rights being taken away or more people, just like we saw during the election, like the people who are hateful, seeing this as like, well, now my hate is validated. And since the Supreme Court said so, now, you know, other things, other opinions or I don't even know if you can call them opinions. (laughs) It deserves a darker word. More of my hate is justified. And I think that that's what's so scary. And I also want to give you this one piece that I received from a dear friend of mine who reminded me of something that was oddly reassuring. And I was kind of thinking about this, and I didn't know if anybody else was. And then she put it in words, and I want to pass it on to you in case it's offering any sort of hope for the future. And that is that a lot of what we see happening right now is very much a last hurrah for the people in power who are older. What does that mean? Well, there's definitely a phenomenon of a lot of people turning towards more conservative values. You read about the United States suburbs, how a lot of them are turning red, how a lot of people are unhappy with the presidency, how it's just very divided, blah, blah, blah. I feel like all that stuff you've heard before, I don't have to reiterate it. And based on like what I've been seeing and some of the articles I've been reading mainly opinions from pretty credible sources. But one thing that we see happening is a lot of people turning towards more conservative values because there does have to be this kind of push and pull until one side gets pushed over the edge. And what is reassuring to me is that that side that really is gripping on for dear fucking life and doing all of this, they are not young. (laughs) They're older. And they, the people in power specifically, know that they're not going to live forever. So you see them trying to be succeeded by certain younger conservative voices, putting the steps in place to kind of like leave this quote-unquote legacy or to do this. The last hurrah, I think, is the best way to phrase it. So what that means to me, take this however you want. I don't know if it's helpful, but it's helpful to to me is that I just remind myself that one day these people will not be here and millennials and Gen Zers are going to take over. And I feel like for the most part, we are fucking awesome. And for the most part, we have some really solid values. And compared to every other generation, and there's studies done on this, 
we value human rights the most. So in case that provides any sort of solace amongst this devastating time, I just tell myself one day they will die. (laughs) And I'm sorry if that sounds really messed up, but I believe that it's warranted. So all that prefacing aside, today I wanted to give you a sort of self-love survival guide for when everything sucks. And it took me a while to come up with this title because I was like, your self-love survival guide for when the world feels like it's falling apart or your self-love survival guide when you feel overwhelmed or when you feel you know, anxious and I think all of those emotions go into that. And the only thing that I could come up with to encompass everything is when everything sucks or when everything feels like it sucks. I wanted to do that, but I felt like that was too many words. So this is your self-love survival guide for when everything feels like it sucks. I did ask you on Instagram What helps you cope when it feels like the world is falling apart? And I wanted to highlight a couple things. These are very basic self-care items, but I really loved how a lot of them were repeated and how it felt like at least the people in my community are just, uh, I just love y'all. You're so self-aware. You're so wonderful. You know how to take care of yourself. You know how to take care of each other. I think that we just could all use the reminder to do so, myself included. Gosh, I've been a mess and also personal update. I haven't been feeling the best physically. I feel like I have just like this lingering cold slash flu, not sleeping well, all that stuff. So it's been kind of hard to to stay motivated and do things. But some of the things that you mentioned that helps you cope is staying off social media. That was mentioned so much. Talking with loved ones instead, like really using our phones for real connection and not fabricated connection like we often turn to when we doom scroll. Long walks, hikes, being in nature, all of that is just so lovely. I always like to say I go out in nature and I like to zoom out and just remember that I am a part of nature, that I am here, and that nature, that she is here with me, and she is holding me, and she is loving me. So I believe that nature is one of the most healing things on this planet. Validating your own feelings, not gaslighting yourself, letting yourself cancel plans. I thought that was a good one. Like, please don't feel obligated or pressured to show up fully at all times for everyone because that's that's too much to ask, you know. Lately I haven't been responding to as many emails and then I'll respond a week late and I'll just say thank you for being patient or texting my friends and saying now is not a good time. You know, that is just so so big. It's such a good boundary. It gives people permission to also like really take care of themselves because half the time when somebody cancels plans with me like I was feeling the same thing. I didn't want to go anyways. And why should we be forced to hang out with each other if we don't really want to? That's not to say that you should completely isolate yourself. Sometimes you really do have to get up and force that initial connection to then realize how good it feels to be with somebody, to be understood, to be in deep connection. Like That is so, so important. So we get to do both.
Hey, my self-lovers, before we go on with today's podcast episode, I want to make sure that you are giving yourself the gift of self-love. The Gift of Self-Love is a book I wrote to help you build confidence, recognize your worth, and learn to finally love yourself. And it's available in stores and online worldwide. So go pick it up if you don't have it already. And if you do have it, little reminder to make sure that you are reading it and doing that work in the workbook. I poured my heart and soul into this book, compiling everything I teach at my retreats and everything we talk about on the podcast and putting it into this heartfelt, relatable, and actionable workbook for you. The cool thing is this book is a combination of me sharing everything that's helped me on my self-love journey, and it's also a workbook, so you can actually write in it and put the tools into practice right away. So it's a very integrative experience, similar to what it would be like if you came to a retreat and we were doing a workshop in person. These exercises are all in one place for you. There are quizzes, journal prompts, self-reflection exercises, self-love challenges, all of which will help you with body acceptance, mindset and self-talk, confidence and self-worth. So if you haven't gotten it yet, you can get it today by going to maryscupoftea.com slash book. You can also search for it on Amazon or at your favorite bookstore. And please take a second to check out all the amazing reviews. At this point, the book has reached thousands of people all around the world. And these reviews are so, so special to me. They literally make me cry when I read them. And I hope that this book has the same profound impact on you. So go to maryscupoftea.com slash book and give yourself the gift of self-love. Someone else said do something creative like crocheting or painting. A couple people said dancing. Art was a big one. So I really hope that you have a hobby outside of your work, that there's some way that you really fill your cup. A big one for me has been reading. I've read three books in the past week. And I've never read so much in my life. And it's just amazing how much reading you can do when you're not on social media. Because I remember when I was younger, I was always with a book. I was the kind of girl that would like read while walking. Like I would be walking to class and I would be reading. It's like (laughs) it was the back in the day walking while texting, you know? And I've just been like turning to books a lot, especially fiction books, you know, the good old novel, like why with the rise of self-help and I'm totally a part of this, like I have a best-selling self-help book, I'm coming out with another book, like I'm very much in this industry. My podcast is essentially all about self-help. I love it. I get high off of it. I love bettering myself. I love self-awareness and sharing what I'm learning with the public. So I'm not totally bashing self-help, but I do feel like some of the best-selling books these days are just all self-help, and we've almost forgotten the beauty of fiction and of a good old novel. So just reminding you that it's totally okay to read for pleasure. It's good for us. Somebody else mentioned educating myself. And they said that this helps them feel empowered and in control of their own understanding. And I put this in here because I personally really resonated with this. For me, I will not reshare something on the internet unless I fact-checked it, unless I know what the words mean, unless I know exactly like 
what is going on here instead of feeding into that outrage. So I really pride myself on staying educated, staying on top of things, like being intentional with the word choice, like not contributing to spreading false information or just this sense of like, how do I say this? Like, I just want to feel like if I'm going to share something or if I'm going to talk about something or if I'm going to be sad and angry about something, I want to understand what it is that I'm sad and angry about. So one night I spent a whole like hour researching every single Supreme Court justice and what their stance was and what they said and who put them in power and how long they've been there and what are their views on other topics, et cetera, et cetera. So for me, this was empowering because even though I don't remember everything I read, don't tell me to reiterate to you. I'm not that versed in law and government, but at least I know who the main players are. And at least I know what's at stake exactly. And at least I know what a trigger law is. And at least I know how things will likely unfold the next few months. Like that helps me just mentally prepare. So if you're just consuming stuff on the internet, I'm just going to gently invite you to turn to actual news sources, turn to actual articles. If you don't understand a word, like I recently watched a TikTok about gerrymandering, I didn't know what that meant. So guess what? I went to Google it. I didn't just keep on scrolling. I didn't just like it and pretend like I knew things that I didn't. I looked it up and now I feel like I have a little bit of a better grasp on things. So please, 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 like, to the extent that you have the capacity for, try to educate yourself on stuff so that when you're talking to people, you're the voice of reason, you're the voice of calm, you're the voice of facts instead of being all emotion. Now, I think there's a balance. I'm a very emotional person. Boyfriend's mom yesterday was like, Mary, this was the first time that I've seen you give a toast without crying. And I don't know how I was supposed to take that, but I thought it was pretty funny because... I love being emotional. I love that about myself. And I try to balance myself out by also being a little bit more logical. And I think getting educated is one big step towards that. So thank you so much, whoever sent in that response, because that was really inspiring to me. And lastly, another one I highlighted was that someone said, doing all the exercises in the gift of self-love, it's so life-changing. This I'm sorry to (laughs) put this in here, but I'm proud and I really wanted to share that. So I'm really glad that the gift of self-love is helping people. I hope that it continues to be a place you can come to when you need a little extra dose of self-love. Oh, I actually have one more response that I wanted to share. And this one was more of a question. And the person wrote, hard to know the difference between avoiding and coping. And I love that they mentioned the word difference because episode 115, which was not that long ago, just a couple months ago, episode 115 is called Learning the Difference. And in that episode, I talk about how so much of life and so much of building self-awareness and emotional awareness and learning to just be there for your mental health and regulate your feelings and feeling your feelings, not just regulating them. So much of all of this work is about what I call learning the difference. So this is a fine balance 
avoiding and coping. There has to be some middle ground. There has to be something inside of you where you know when you're avoiding and you know when you're not avoiding, you're just healthily coping. So to me, avoiding involves denial. I think that's the biggest telltale sign of avoiding is when somebody is in denial. So for example, healthy coping is like, I'm going to remove myself from the news today so that tomorrow I can see everything with fresh eyes. Or I'm going to rest right now so that tomorrow or a week from now or however long your rest time or your vacation is, you're still coming back to the responsibility. And that responsibility includes all the things we talked about, taking care of yourself, staying educated, doing the things you need to do, pursuing your dreams shamelessly, all of that. So that's coping, right? You're giving yourself time, space, and grace, knowing that you'll be back. Whereas avoiding is never really coming back to the problem. You're just completely removing yourself from it and pretending like it doesn't exist. So I hope that answers the question, like what's the difference between avoiding and coping? I don't think any of us should feel guilty for any of our coping mechanisms in times of stress and grief and devastating news. I think everybody handles things differently. And whatever you do, please have some compassion for yourself. But as the days and the weeks go on, there has to be a time where we pick ourselves back up and we fight the good fight. And that's why it's important to know the difference for yourself between avoiding and coping so that you know When you need help, when do you need to reach out to somebody? When do you need to give yourself a loving kick in the ass? When do you have to like move from being in a cocoon and sleeping all day, which we all want to do right now, or at least I do, and getting up and taking action? Recording this podcast episode is one of my action steps. So I'm currently giving myself a little pat on the back because it was kind of hard to plan this out and sit down and find not just the time, but like the energy to really talk about this. So I'm proud of myself right now. And I hope you do something today that you're going to be proud of yourself too, even if it's something super small, like taking a walk that is necessary. So we've covered like basic things, you know, there's also therapy, journaling, movement, talking with a friend. I think you know all of this, but today I wanted to give you just three more steps for survival during this time. And this self-love survival guide will be steps that you might not have considered, or maybe this will help you think of them in a different way. This is personally what's been helping me the most, stuff that I've written about in my next book. So things that I've really been like researching and pondering. So I wanted to share three of those things with you today. Here we go. Number one, remember the self-compassion triangle. What is the self-compassion triangle? This was created by Dr. Kristen Neff. I interviewed her on episode 32 of the podcast, which was, holy shit, two years ago. So if you want to listen to her interview, highly recommend going back to episode number 32. She is the lead researcher in the field of self-compassion. And this triangle that she wrote about in her book just really resonated with me. So she calls these the three elements of self-compassion. The first element is kindness toward yourself, self-kindness. And I think this is like what 
you generally tend to think of when you think self-compassion, self-kindness. It's kind of the same thing, but just to expand a little further, it's basically the opposite of self-judgment. Why is that important? Because when you can lean into self-kindness, you create greater emotional equanimity. Emotional equanimity is basically like this sense of stability and coherence and like this balance in your mind where you don't feel like you're going fucking nuts because self-judgment will make you feel like you're going fucking nuts. So the first step is kindness towards yourself. That's the first part of the triangle. Super basic. You probably know this. These other two are the ones that were more of like an aha moment for me when I learned about them. And one of those is common humanity. This is the recognition that suffering and being imperfect is a part of the human experience. It's when you look around and you're like, fuck, we're all going through it. We're all dealing with some shit. We're all imperfect and flawed and just so, so human. And you direct that towards yourself. You're like, I'm a part of that too. If I can give that compassion to all the people around me and recognize that we're all human, then logically, I need to extend that to myself too. I am also a part of this common humanity. And I love that this is an element of self-compassion because it takes 10 seconds to just be like, oh, I'm human. Everyone else is human. We're all human. And that is just so calming. And it really does pretty effortlessly put you into a mindset, into a heart space of self-compassion. The other part of the triangle, the third one, is mindfulness. This generally comes pretty effortlessly if you are already able to employ self-kindness and recognize the common humanity aspect, but mindfulness is basically observing your thoughts and feelings as they are without trying to deny them or push them away or shame yourself for having them. I like to think of mindfulness with the help of the cloud metaphor. And this is a metaphor often used in meditation practices. So you basically imagine each thought being a cloud and it's just passing by and you might observe it. You might be like, oh, this looks like a dinosaur. How cool. And then you just let it float away and you don't give that much meaning or significance to it. You just let yourself have the thought or feeling. You're kind of like, hmm, that's interesting. Nice. Cool. And then you move on to the next cloud that you're observing, the next thought or feeling that's floating away. So what I love about self-compassion the most is that it really is based on so many Buddhist teachings and practices, and it's very spiritual and very necessary and the key to staying grounded in a crazy world while we're trying to figure this thing called life out all together because common humanity. So when everything feels like it sucks, please, please practice self-compassion and remember the self-compassion triangle. By the way, I know I don't have to apologize, but it's been really hard for me to talk and use my voice lately. I feel like I just lose it really quickly and my throat just 
closes up and I feel like it's just this lingering sickness that I've been dealing with. So I'm sorry if the recording is choppy or if all my words are jumbled together and not as enunciated as they usually are. So anyway, number two of the self-love survival guide, see where you can ritualize your routines. I wrote about this in my upcoming book, which I can't wait for it to come out later this year. I'll keep you posted on all of that, but we're currently working on the design and the layout, which is the best part. I'm also doing a lot of editing, way more than I would like to admit, but I'm really excited for it to all come together. So in my book, I was doing research about how ritual people who have rituals live a more meaningful life. Ritual is grounding. Having a routine is just really what keeps us going. Our brains crave that stability, that habit, and whatever we repeatedly do is what's going to contribute to us either feeling really bad or really good. And I do want to say that the routine you do naturally is probably the routine that's best for you. So this is not me telling you to try to wake up at 5 a.m. every morning and go on a run, because if that's not what you naturally do, or if that doesn't make you feel good, don't try to force anything. Me, for example, I'm not an early riser, but that doesn't mean I don't have a routine. I still wake up in the morning, I wash my face, I do all that, then I have coffee, and the biggest part of my routine and something we've ritualized is boyfriend and I having breakfast together. And we do this very specific breakfast spread, and we enjoy it so much. We've been doing it for over three years now. It never gets old. And if we have to skip our breakfast routine, both of us get pretty upset. And I don't like skipping that. But that also doesn't mean that you can't be flexible. So for example, if you usually wake up at seven and have coffee while journaling, but maybe your body's craving a little bit more rest, see if you can wake up at nine or a little bit later, but stick to as much of your routine as you can. So the coffee, the journaling, whatever else you do. So I know that your routine or your ritual won't always work out, but as much as possible, try to be protective of those routines because they really are essential to staying grounded during tumultuous times. And remember that a routine doesn't necessarily have to be daily. It can also be monthly. Maybe once a month you have your girlfriends over and that's something that you guys ritualized. That is so great. Or once a year you all get together for a family dinner on a holiday. That is also a ritual And as much as maybe sometimes you don't want to go to holiday family dinners, there is something to be said about tradition and like keeping something going. For some reason, keeping something going gives us a reason to keep going. And studies have proven it. So I hope that there's some routine that you can ritualize, maybe give it a little pizzazz and make it that much more appealing for you to do, whether that's getting a nice new pen to journal with, which is something I've recently done, or I don't know, creating a certain altar or a little spot, a nook for you to sit in while you're reading or whatever that is for you, make it sexy, make it appealing, like make it for you. Please Take the time out of your day to do that kind of stuff for you and take the time out of your month to get together with friends or do something weekly like a hobby, like get into these rituals. They are so 
helpful. Okay, now I have to take a dramatic sip of tea because I feel myself losing my voice. (sighs) Okay, the last thing that I want to leave you with in the self-love survival guide is to focus on the physical. This is the part where we move into action, knowing that action can take many forms. The only criteria is to physically use your body with purpose and intention. What does that mean? Things like breathing. Do your breathing exercises. Put your feet flat on the floor. Use your body to put your feet flat on the floor and just get grounded. I just did it as I was telling you that. Physically get up and go somewhere or identify where a certain feeling is showing up in your body physically. Is it in your chest? Do you feel a tightening? Obviously for me, there's something going on with my throat and my voice closing up. Is it in your shoulders? Do you feel like the weight of the world is just so heavy on top of you? Is it your back, your knees? Like, where do you feel tension in your body when you think about a certain emotion or when you're processing something? Identify that. Give yourself or somebody else an extended hug. You know, we did this exercise at the last retreat where we had a guest teacher come in and she had us in pairs and we hugged each other for a solid 10 minutes without letting go. And it was just such a beautiful experience. I was so lucky that I could participate in it because usually I'm the one hosting the workshops and making my retreat girls do all sorts of crazy things. But this time because of the amazing guest teacher, Alice, that we had come, I had to hug somebody. I got to hug somebody. And it was so amazing to at first feel a little bit awkward and then wishing it would end soon. And then just surrendering to it and letting my body melt into this beautiful person in front of me. That was just so heart opening. So who can you do that with? Can you practice that with your partner, with your family, with a friend? Give that extended hug. Can you put your arms around yourself right now and give yourself that physical touch, that self-compassionate, loving embrace? Make some noise. Scream. Like scream into a pillow. No, fuck the pillows. Just scream and let yourself be heard. These kinds of things that involve the body, whether it's as simple as breathing or you're running or you're just like moving energy through your physical body is so, so necessary for healthy emotional processing. I read in a Well and Good article, which I'll link for you in the description, a trauma-informed therapist, her name is Gina Maffa. I looked her up on Instagram and she has such great resources for people moving through grief, which at this point is almost all of us because we've all been through a lot the past few years. And they quoted her saying, stressful emotions are better in motion. They're fear-based things that live in the body. So it's important that when you're processing them, you involve the body too. Stressful emotions are better in motion. So how can you involve the body? How can you focus on the physical aspect of your experience? 
It's such a great way to process emotions in a healthy and self-loving way. All right, y'all. That's all I have for you today. I hope it was helpful. I hope that you're hanging in there and I'm just sending you all my love, all my hugs, all the extended hugs. I wish I could hug you for 10 minutes straight and more. I'm sending extra compassion to the people that are personally affected by the Roe v. Wade decision, people in the conservative states, marginalized people who have always been fucked when it came to healthcare, especially reproductive healthcare. People who also had a trauma response to this news, because I'm sure that some of you listening have maybe had an abortion or had to terminate a pregnancy or struggle with miscarriage or are doing IVF or know somebody who this affects and it just becomes personal. So I'm sending extra love to you if that's you. And know that we are in this together. We won't stop fighting. I'm personally going to be volunteering in my state, doing some activist work and signing up and donating money to help people seeking abortions who don't have access to them anymore. So I hope that there are ways that you can get involved too. Remember, focus on the smallest thing that you can do to impact your community. Vote in local elections. (laughs) A lot of the stuff that we think matters doesn't, and a lot of the stuff that we think doesn't matter does. So please make sure you're registered to vote. Vote in local elections. Use your voice. Talk to your friends and family. Be protective of your energy. Don't talk to people who are committed to misunderstanding you. They're not worth it. They're only going to get more stuck in their own ways and committed to their opinions. And sometimes you just have to let that go. So anywho, I love you so much and I will talk to you next time. Hey, self-lovers. One last little thing before we farewell. If you've been enjoying the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast, I would greatly appreciate it if you could leave a a review. (laughs) I was going to cut that out, but we'll just keep it in there. If you could leave a review on Apple or rate the show on Spotify. Your feedback helps the podcast grow. And as someone whose love language is words of affirmation, your kind words mean the world to me. Just search the show on Apple, scroll all the way down where you'll see a place to weave a review. (laughs) And if you're listening on Spotify, on the show's homepage, you'll see a little star. And if you click on that, there'll be a pop-up box where you can send in your rating. Thank you so much for helping me spread the gift of self-love. And speaking of the gift of self-love, that is the title of my book. You can pick it up at any bookstore, including Amazon, Target, Barnes & Noble, small indie bookstores. All those links can be found at maryscupoftea.com slash book. Thank you all so much for learning and growing and continuing to be on this self-love journey. It's truly an honor to be here with you. I love you and I will talk to you next time. And please, please don't forget to leave a review. (laughs) Bye.